Welcome everyone to Remembering Conference Cantatas. My name is Mike Livermore, and before we introduce today's episode, our guests and our topic, as an FYI to all of our faithful listeners, this will be our last traditional episode. This is our last year covering in depth one of the cantatas. We do have a finale, a final episode in the works for Lord willing, two weeks after we uh, produce this podcast. So that would be Sunday, August 16th will be our last episode posted. Now I mentioned this because we'd love to get some listener contributions for our last episode. We're hoping to have a fact check segment as well as a segment for listener contributions, or any messages you want to share about how much you love the cantatas, your favorite memories, feel free to send us a recording or a, a written message. We can read it. So we'd love to have your submissions. So any of our faithful listeners, you have two weeks to submit for us anything you want to say for our final episode. So with that, then let's get to 2017. With me, as usual, is my old friend, my good friend and co-host, Sam Taylor. Sam, how you doing? What a trip it's been, Mike. I'm doing really well. How about you? It's been a wild ride, Sam, and I couldn't be happier to have with us two beloved guests. So glad to have with us Hannah and Josh Hodge. Guys, how are you doing? We are doing great. Amazing. We are really enjoying this podcast. We're enjoying it so much that we actually haven't listened to them all yet. <laughs> oh, well, you've got something to look forward to. <laughs> we leave them for special times where we can actually sit down. And then we like to have a review, like our own podcast after the podcast. <laughs> I like this. So they're very special to us. It's really given us an opportunity to uh, remember things from the past or even things we haven't been at. I think that's one of the amazing things about this podcast is we feel we've been there in years that we weren't actually there. Uh, and oh, that's wonderful. And that's through, that's just really uh, giving appreciation to this podcast because you've set the scene, you've put us there with the lessons. I mean, it certainly helps having been there. We come with uh, come to you today with two different perspectives because I'm not all that musically inclined, but I can listen to music and appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of the listeners are uh, not all that musically inclined as well. And then you've got the musically inclined approach. Hannah is very musically inclined, so she'll be able to to add that perspective as we go throughout here. Well, it's wonderful to hear you say that you think this podcast has achieved its goal of stirring up our faith by way of remembrance, that it's really brought you back to the even years you weren't there for. That's wonderful to hear. Now, Sam, before we get started, we've had a lot of guests on this podcast, Sam. But have we ever had a guest, Sam, who is as beloved to you and I as Hannah? I don't think we have. No, no. no. If, if you and I had like an adopted younger sister, I think she's with us on this podcast today, Sam. I would agree. Yeah. So Hannah and Josh, we are very glad to have you. Welcome aboard. Let's get into it. 2017. So the theme this year was the Epistle of James. The theme of the cantata was draw nigh to God. Now, Josh, I believe you were one of the co-writers of the workbook this year. How did you come across this topic and why, why was James the subject for this year? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a process picking out the topic. Uh, we were approached, I think, probably about three years ahead of time. So in 2014, 
And, you know, the committee said, hey, you want to write a workbook? Need something in the New Testament? Is there something you would really like? And we had, I had just been doing uh, James, the Epistle of James in Sunday school, actually with Uncle Ian McFarlane. And it was one of those books that's so practical. It's filled with so many great lessons um, that it was, we got to do James. And Dave Stiles was as much on board as I was. And yeah, we took up the task to complete the, the workbook. And it was, it's special. I mean, both of you have been a part of, of workbooks and it, it leaves a lasting memory in a different way than the other ones. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I forgot to mention the theme verse this year was James chapter four, verse eight, which reads, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double minded. So that was the verse up on the poster or the banner in the pavilion that year. And yeah, it looks like I checked the workbook. It looks like it was a really good topic. Super practical is the book of James. But Josh, a question for you at the workbook. How is it 168 pages? How could you look yourself in the mirror by putting out a 168-page workbook? You know what? That's, that's a good question. That's, uh, and, and it's one of those things, everybody starts off by looking at how many pages is the workbook. And you can scare a lot of people away with that. Yeah, yeah. My, as you know, my dad's part of the committee. So... You know, he wasn't the one that asked me to write the workbook, but he certainly had some some comments he wanted to make to me about what it looked like. You know, he's like, you can make this really special. You know, he's you can add a lot of material. Uh, you can have appendices, uh, not necessarily things that people are answering in time filler, but this additional supplemental work. And so when Dave Stiles and I set about covering James, our goal was to yeah, provoke responses, but also provide a lot of material should they want to do further study. So, yeah, we probably got a little carried away with the extent of the appendices. I don't remember how many appendices there were, but 20. Know, there were, I believe you like to remind me there's 20 pages of appendices. 20 pages of appendices, yes. <laughs> okay, that helps. That helps. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember talking to Dave Stiles about it because Dave and I were in a camp group together in both 2015 and 2016. So during those couple of those those two years, I had a lot of time to spend with Dave and we would talk about his workbook because we were both writing workbooks at the same time in those years. I had in, in 2016, I was just getting off the ground with uh, my Abraham and Sarah work, uh, workbook with Joel Suns. So we were talking, you know, sharing ideas, kind of commiserating over the process. One thing that really came up to me, and I, I had read this somewhere before, and I remember talking to Dave about it in 2016, about how I had heard that the, uh, that the epistle of James was effectively the Proverbs of the New Testament. And I think the way it was phrased like that really resonated with me because there is so much you know, wisdom in these little digestible nuggets that you can find all throughout the epistle. That I mean, yes, the context is enormously important, but just being being able to pick out a verse about you know controlling your tongue, about pure religion, about faith with works, you know, there's all these practical nuggets into that, and you know that makes for great discussion because when you get something that you can, you know, it, it becomes more than academic when you're able to translate it into real life scenarios. So 
Uh, talking with Dave about that over a couple of years before the conference, got an, we were able to kind of share thoughts and ideas and, and having that view of James helped me to appreciate how practical the study was going to be. And it helped me as I was getting ready to lead or assist discussion groups that it was going to be a very practically minded, um, you know, discussion throughout the week. Dave actually sent me a, a little message just uh, prior to this podcast you want to, to share. Great. To share a few, a few words. And I think his words really speak to how practical, how impactful the study was. He says, in many ways, the James workbook assignment came at a pivotal, a pivotal time in my life as I went uh, into the throes of university. Let me just say the enmity between the philosophy of much of what I was being taught there versus the epistle of James was oftentimes palpable. And he goes on to talk about, you know, the wisdom that is from above, you know, really helped them in that time. Wisdom from above is James chapter three. It speaks about that. It, it certainly helped Dave in that sense, he says in, in that message. And certainly myself as well. And I think it, it resonated with people in the discussion groups too. It was so practical uh, that there was so much to talk about and learn from. Oh, that's great to hear. Anytime you have all this good practical content to have as material to discuss throughout the week really helps. I can imagine the discussion groups were spot on that year. All right. So any memories from 2017? You know, I wasn't there, obviously. And at this point, 2017, it's been five years since I've been to a camp. So take me back. What was it like that year? Are there any wild stories or memories you have? Well, uh, Dave Stiles reminded us that uh, that was the year of the solar eclipse that happened at Youth Conference, um, which was pretty rare, pretty exciting. About as rare as one other thing that Josh wanted to mention. <laughs> Dave Stiles also shaved his beard for that particular conference. And that is a rare sighting as well. Did he shave it at the camp? Uh, just prior, just oh, prior. Okay, well, still. <laughs> was, was it kind of like a symbol of like fulfilling his vow? <laughs> <laughs> he ended his Nazarite vow right before camp. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> How did you guys uh, view the, the solar eclipse? Anyway, when did it happen during the day? So I think it's important to note that up where we were on Manitoulin Island, uh, we weren't into trajectory to get a full on. We, w we didn't get the full on eclipse where the sun was completely blocked out. Uh, there were a lot of people who had uh, glasses like they had like they had like the really the really severely tinted glasses. And I, I borrowed some from from a camper. I can't remember who, but I remember looking up and you could like you could look at the sun and you can see like the moon kind of partially covering it. I, the shadows were really weird because the, because the moon was blocking the sun, like the way that the light was hitting objects, it, it made shadows that weren't like one-to-one -one representations of what the act, like they, they weren't pure duplicates. I remember that being very peculiar. There's Any other another, memories from this year? Yeah, that there's a few things, you know, when you, we first knew we were joining this podcast, you're trying to think back and then you're like, do I remember anything about the year? But once you start going, there's a few things that pop into your mind. There's a few things that um, I think define each youth conference. You've got the cantata, obviously. You've got the study, which you can remember 
back to you've got crazy Olympics, which often is a defining moment. And I think the speaker really adds to the environment. And in this particular year, I know Uncle Con came previously, but he came this year and Uncle Con provides a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. And it really showed in, in his talks and his engagement with young people. But one, one little story, I, I was on the sports committee at the time, which meant, you know, I'm telling people what's on the, the sports schedule each day. And it was also my task to write poems. Well, you know, it's, it's a bit of a challenging task to write a poem and, and make sure that you are telling it in a way that the audience is engaged, excited, and you're getting the points across. Well, anyway, I'm, we played Ultimate Frisbee the one day. And so that evening, I'm updating everybody on, on uh, the Ultimate Frisbee score through a poem. I'm in the middle of the poem. And I'm announcing the sport for the next day. And it happened to be soccer or football, depending on where you come from. Well, I'm about to go to the next line of my poem after announcing that it's soccer. And of course, Uncle Khan is sitting three feet behind me because he's up on the platform as well. And as soon as I say we're playing soccer tomorrow, he stands up, he jumps up and yells, yes. <laughs> And of course, scares the, you know, the living daylights out of me. I'm up on the platform in front of 200 young people. And it was just one of those moments in life that you'll never forget because you don't know what the next moment of your life's going to, to look like. Right. Yeah. But it, it just captures the energy that, that Uncle Khan brought. And uh, he did it in many ways. Yeah, Khan Mitsos came, I guess, 10 years before this in 2007 with his family. Oh, Tons of energy, a great speaker, a great match for youth conference. I remember how much he loved singing um, Crown of Rejoicing. Just loved mm. discovering that song that year. So yeah, he's a great match for conference. That's great that he was there that year for everyone. Yeah, he was. Uh, I, he was present several nights during the campfire singing, and he was. Uh, and you know, and he stuck around for the devotions too. You know, there's a lot of times where speakers are just trying to. You know, they're in their trailer just trying to get whatever sleep they can because they got a big day. But, you know, Khan was usually there. And I remember um, I gave the last devotion of the week that year because uh, I gave a devotion that was leading up to uh, talking about next year's conference, Abraham and Sarah. And, and I remember after that, I remember how, you know, Khan was just right there and he was just he was just as riveted as anybody else. And actually, Hannah, your parents were there that year. Yes. That was a first for them. Yeah, your your dad your dad often came to my tent for wake up duty. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a veteran in that department. Yeah. For, you. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of you listeners that don't know, I I stayed with the Colby family for about a year when I was eighteen or nineteen, and if you probably know me, uh, you know that. Uh, to say I have a difficult time getting up is a mild understatement. I think. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom has Tom has the discipline and the patience to have put up with me all my years growing up. So it's just kind of back in old times. <laughs> if you count weeks at Chippensburg too, Sam, Uncle Tom's probably spent two years of his life waking you up each morning. <laughs> Two years trying to wake me. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> unsuccessfully, right, right. 
before we get off the Khan Mitzos topic, another important question, Josh, did he back up the talk? How was his game, his soccer game on the field? That, yeah, that's a good question. And it, it was one of those, I don't know if it was Canada versus the world or North America versus the world. So he was obviously on the opposing team to me either way. And uh, his team did lose. And so I made sure in my next poem to really focus on Uncle Khan. And my whole poem was why the other team lost. There was one big reason why the world lost. And I, I didn't tell anybody till the very end. And except that the last line says, because we had the pros and you had the con. Uh, oh, that is good. Oh, that's good. Oh, great stuff. Uh, right. I just, I just, uh, you, I, just as you were saying that, I remember that. Uh, before we get to the cantata, any other final memories or things you wanted to share from this year, from 2017? Uh, a couple really good evening classes by Brother Khan. Um, he did a spiritual detox class in the evening, which was really practical, kind of jumping off the practicalness of James, but um, very geared towards young people, how to get rid of certain things in your life, but replace them with something positive. Uh, and I also remember a very impactful write-up that he read to us. It was using the language of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers, but in the context of Christ revealing himself to James. And it was it was very, very well-written and well-read and very emotional and very helpful. That sounds very interesting. Do you know if that's available anywhere? I, I have, I would like to ask him because he recently did a Bible school and did a very similar write-up. So I'm sure he has them somewhere. This was the turning point in the life of James. I mean, he was at odds with his brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the visit, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, where it lists off all the people that saw Christ. James saw his brother and it was probably at that moment that was the turning point. My my brother was raised from the dead. All his words must be true. And so when you think about this huge reunion moment for James, it was it, and it was really impactful to link it back to Joseph. We were talking to a couple other people, and that was the first thing they remembered too. Great. Yeah, it sounds like something I'd love to read myself. So it sounds like they got great classes. Great subject this year. Good discussion groups. Uh, sounds like a very uplifting spiritual week. So great to hear that. All right, let's get to the cantata then. The facts of this cantata. There are on this cantata 17 tracks, nine songs, eight narrations. It's about 50 to 51 minutes. Great length. Four songs from this cantata make my top 80. Now those four are Count It All Joy, The Opener, Every Gift, The Words That I Say, and the camp hymn, We Listen to Live, which is a phenomenal camp hymn, probably in my Mount Rushmore of camp hymns. I think it's an amazing, amazing camp hymn, one of the greats. Uh, the director this year was Daryl Rose, the piano player, Jared Walker, and the narrator was Jonah Moore. Now, I want to, before we could discuss some of the composition, just talk again about the camp hymns, because I checked my top 80 list. And going back to 2009, all the way through this year, 2017, every single camp hymn 
is in my top 80. The run that the Manitoulin Youth Conference had for a solid decade of spot-on camp hymns is really noteworthy. And, and it's definitely one advantage the past decade of cantatas has over the first. Whereas in the first decade, it would be kind of off and on. They were great camp hymns, but a few off years. Whereas the past decade has just been every single year a, a consistent star uh, camp hymn. So a big kudos or a shout out to whoever writes and produces those camp hymns. It's been a wonderful run that led up to now in this year, 2017, uh, easily a top five camp hymn all time. All right. So the composers for this year, again, quite a team effort for the songs, Count It All Joy, Draw Nigh to God, The Words That I Say, and This Is Wisdom. Those were written by Daryl Rose. We Listen to Live, the camp hymn was written by Steph Jameson. So an amazing job by her. The song, The Law of Christ, and the song, Lift Up Your Heads, were written by Dan Osborne. Now, Hannah, we're, I'm going to assume you were one of the people that sang the small group for The Law of Christ. Do you know who else sang with you in that song? Uh, yes, it was my sister-in-law, Kayla Hodge, and then the infamous Pitcher sisters. So Scylla and Naomi. Um, so that was the four girls. And then Daryl actually jumped in for the guy part. Um, and my memory fails me for who else was with him. I know he had maybe one or two guys with him. Yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful little small group performance in the middle of that song. It really sort of sounds to me, maybe just because I know your voice, I can hear your voice so well. It sounds almost like a solo with backup singers to the point that about halfway through, when Daryl kind of his part jumps in for harmony, I said in the back of my head, oh, Daryl, I can't hear Hannah right now. Get out of here, Daryl. I want to hear Hannah sing this song. So that's how much I loved the, the small group, what you did with this song, The Law of Christ. And there also seemed to be a flute playing. What, am I right in this? And do you know who the flute player was? Yes, I believe it was Joanna Gore. She's oh, no done way. that for a few youth conferences. Um, yes, she shows up quite a lot in this cantata with the flute. I was not expecting that. And she's a Sunday school student in my class. So shame on me, but that is wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that it was Joanna Gore. So well done, Joanna. I'll have to mention that her sometime. Okay. A few more songs in this cantata. There's also the song Pure Religion written by Daryl and Dio. And the song Every Gift was written by Paul Barnes and Levi Myers and arranged by Daryl. And again, Hannah, I think you were in a small group again for Pure Religion. Was it the same crew or was it a different group now in this song? Yeah, so Daryl seemed to kind of take a little bit of a different tactic this year. He put kind of a small group at the front so that we could go in and out of verses. So it was the same small group. Okay. Okay. So I like what Daryl did here in that he's recycling two old songs, The Law of Christ from 06, Pure Religion from 2010. And what he does, I think Daryl's learned is to recycle a song, you have to change it. And I, what he did, which was so brilliant, was to give it or put it in the hands of a small group. And it reminds me of, you know, our very first guest came on in 2004, Levi Jeleno. And he had this whole opinion of how way back when Dan Osborne underused Tamar Goltz. He said, if you have this star singer, you've got to give her the minutes. You've got to give her the playing time to go out there and just dunk on people. And so Daryl, I think he, he learned this lesson and he says, how can I make these recycled songs special? 
well, I'm just going to unleash Hannah Colby on them, or I guess Hannah Hodge now on these songs. So he just puts the ball in your hands and says, Hannah, go dunk on these songs, make them special. And you did, Hannah. You did. Thank <laughs> I you. Really, so I really, I, I know it sounded like one voice, but um, our voices blended amazingly well. I actually call Kayla my voice twin. Um, and the Pitcher sisters, uh, they just they just sing. They're amazing. I think they just made up their own harmonies for some of the songs. <laughs> um, yes. So you're saying it's it's not just that you're like crushing the, the singing. It's that they all sound like you. It's like four of you. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes you can really, if you pick the right group of people, it's, it's a win when they all blend really well. And it's, that's the goal of a choir, right? So even in a small group, if you can pick four people who have a similar tone to their voice and they all blend really well, it just sounds like one voice. And that's not easy to get because, I mean, you can have people with diff, you know drastically different singing styles and that might require some people to, to sing you know, louder or in a different style than what they're used to. And some people might need to dial back for the sake of the group. So, I mean, that, that takes a lot of awareness of, you know, wh how everyone else is singing, how everyone else is performing to make it a, a really cohesive kind of piece. So it, it, it's really great when you get to hear uh, small groups like that, which, which, pr you know, present themselves as a unified voice like you did with your, with Kayla and Priscilla and Naomi. Just recently, to uh, emphasize the whole one voice thing. Uh, Hannah and I have been doing meeting with Jacob and Kayla because of course, when COVID hit, we were all, you know, stuck in our homes, listening into webcasts or doing Zoom meetings. And so of course the, the choir that happens when it's myself, my brother, Hannah and Kayla is quite interesting. It's, it's Kayla and Hannah leading the way but they're they're this one voice and then jacob and i we also have one voice because we're brothers but it's not it's not the pretty one voice it just trudges along yet yeah, very lopsided singing there <laughs> one voice way up here the other voice way down here yes but nice. the spirit is still strong that's the main thing yeah well said. <laughs> well said okay well let's get into the awards then so the first one, best song at the time. All right, so I'm out. You three get to decide what was the best song that night in the pavilion. Actually, we have a pretty knockout one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're pretty sold on one. I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what Sam has has to say, but we're we're sold on "Count It All Joy." It oh was, yeah, it was the first song of the cantata, and it it just knocked it out of the park from the very first word. You're just engaged, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And then from there, it takes you on just an amazing journey uh, through trial, you know, overcoming the trial and bringing it forward to what the Lord Jesus Christ has, has done. And it brings, it ties in Hebrews chapter 12, where, you know, Christ was able to endure the cross because of the joy set before him. And there's, there's one particular moment that stands out to me in this song, and it's early on where it, it says, trials have a purpose to bring us forth as gold. And the, the ladies are singing that while the guys are going, doing oohs and as, and it's almost like the weight, the guys are doing the, 
singing the weight of the trial and you actually feel like you're in the trial but that brings you to the triumph when you are lifted out of the trial and the guys stop singing the oohs and the as at that point and and you feel this this relief and you break into the chorus i would completely agree it reminds me a lot of the 2006 cantata uh with the science of john because that came right out the gate too with shine as lights uh the epistle of james this cantata does a very similar thing uh, you know and it and also um you know, there's no introduction narrative. There's no piano that goes into it. It's just right into the rejoice. So, you know, once again, Daryl picked up a, kind of a similar theme from what he did in 2014, where um, the prophet of the Lord starts off with, you know, goes right into the lyrics. Uh, you know, Daryl does the exact same thing, just right into the lyrics, right into the very meat of the epistle from the from the word go. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Count it all joy is a phenomenal, phenomenal song. I'm I'm right there with you. Definitely the best song of the night. The okay. choir staying with a, a lot of energy too. You could just feel it when you listen to the recording. Oh yeah, we're gonna cover that in depth in best moment. It's it's amazing. Okay, so that song wins, best song at the time. Now we have best song today. This is where I can jump in, not having been there, but listening to it now, only a couple of years later. I definitely think there's sort of a big three in contention. Count it all joy, every gift, and the campaign we listen to live. I, I think I might, I, I'm, I could go either way with this one. Do you either of you three have a preference or a suggestion for best song today? We have some different picks, so I'm going to let Sam say if he has. <laughs> oh, best song today. You know, I was, I, I've, I've been giving this a couple of listens again this week to kind of go into it. And that's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it really is hard. I, I forced myself to make a pick and I think my pick would be, we listen to live. But if Josh and Hannah have different ideas, I could be swayed. What do you think, Josh and Hannah? Uh, well, we have a completely different three, actually. <laughs> Sell it to me. Uh, we have the law of Christ. Uh, lift up your heads and pure religion. Lift up your heads is always a good song for today <laughs> because yeah. it's it's seeking your your redemption. Um, but those three are kind of some of the more versatile songs, and the ones you picked are a little more thematic to James, I would say. So I think that's why our angle was a bit different. Okay, Hannah, I I completely agree that the three songs as written that you've suggested are phenomenal, incredible songs. What hurts it for me is that I had, I'd already heard them before. Mm. We've already listened to the Lift Up Your Heads. Was that in a, the Even So Comes CD yep. series? So those had already been out there. And obviously the other two you mentioned were, were recycled songs from previous years. But again, though, Hannah, your parts really elevate them now. And they are beautiful, beautiful songs. So they're, they're all good. What just why I can't pick it now is because they're just like the second time I've heard a version of the song. But maybe some people that heard this for the heard them for the first time here, this becomes their favorite version. So it's a tough debate to have. Sam, give us some wisdom. We're all over the map here. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I'm I'm pretty actually, I don't even have a three. I think I'm pretty definitive. Law of Christ is just the best song. The the 2017 version of Law of Christ is a more polished uh, and more personable 
version of an already fantastic meditative reflective song. Um, and I mentioned this when we were talking about the, tw- the 2006 uh, cantata when Tim was on, that there is something special. You know, you know when you have a cantata, you fall into you, you can fall into a bit of a trap sometimes with the lyrics because as a cantata, you're going to sing it in the plural. You're going to say we, us, and our a lot, um, which is great. But what happens is that you you take a lot more ownership of what you're singing when it becomes the first person, when you're singing I, me, my. So if my brother instantly, it's, it's no longer if our brother, because if I say if our brother, that means that the onus of the burden of handling that can really fall on one of any of the other people that are singing along with me. So who really handles this burden? But if it's if my brother, that is a personal direct challenge to me to say that this is my, this, this is, this is, I need, I need myself to help this burden. There's, there's a saying that, you know, a a raindrop doesn't feel responsible for a tsunami. You know, it's, it's easy to not have to take ownership when there's a lot, you know, like one, one person doesn't necessarily take ownership when a lot of things go on. So when I, when the way I see it is the law of Christ using the first person with a small group takes a direct command from Christ, uh, a direct principle that we need to implement in our lives daily, and it makes it even more personal and relatable and important to follow. So for me, Law of Christ 2017 version is the song that I would say is the best for today. And because it's a small group, it exceeds uh, the high mark that the 2006 version hit. Sam, you've convinced me. I'm going to jump on board with the, uh, the Hannah Hodge version of the law of Christ, the best song today, but there are a lot of, a lot of contenders. This could have gone a lot of different directions. There's five or six consolation prizes, but let's go with that one. Okay. Best campfire song. We listen to it. Yes. It's not really a question. No, it was, it was so soft. You know, one of the, all, all of you have been, you know, at conference before and all of you have been around the campfire for many years. I think one of my favorite parts of any campfire song is when we have an opportunity for the guitar to cut out completely and it becomes an acapella. The end of We Listen to Live has that renew our hearts, renew our minds in Jesus Christ. It has that part at the very end and it's all acapella. So it just channels the best part of campfire singing and it incorporates it into the camp hymn. And it's great because you know, usually what happens is that you go devotion, camp hymn, word of prayer, and then, you know, there's campfire singing after that. But you get this awesome moment where you're singing that last line in the chorus. It goes all you know, acapella, and you can hear this echoing all around. And then it reverberates as you're done singing, and it reverberates for a couple of seconds, and then you just kind of, you know, it fades out, and you hear the fire crackling. And then a couple of seconds later, then you just have, you know, you go into the closing prayer and it just feels like the perfect way to center your mind on, you know, the beauty of fellowship, the beauty of praise, the beauty of God's creation. And it all, it, it really uh, serves as a way to focus the mind to really appreciate the prayer that's going to be given. So it was just awesome having that as the camp hymn this year. I loved it. 
Yeah, it seemed like just an incredible camp hymn. It it actually makes my top 10 cantata songs since 2002. I think it's a, an amazing, amazing camp hymn. I'm so glad it's a unanimous pick for the winner of this award. Josh and Hannah, any thoughts on, on best campfire song? Or are you completely in agreement with this? Yeah, we're completely in agreement. I, I think one of the strengths of this song is that it covers the entirety of James 1 to 5 as well. I think that's a standout feature for a good campfire song. You want something that encapsulates the whole study, the whole week. And if you go through We Listen to Live, you got every chapter covered. All of the key concepts are, are sitting right there in the song. Yeah, and it the the melody line, there's not a lot of parts and the tune is very achievable for anybody, which is key to singing around the campfire. And like you said, Sam, at the end is the only time that it splits into that harmony. And when it's acapella around the fire and there's just this little bit of splitting of harmony, it's like a prayer raising up to heaven. It's, it's very wonderful. And it's got a little bit of nostalgia too, because the very first line of the song says, oh, be careful little tongue what you say, which kind of harkens back to the classic children's song, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. So it brings in like a lot of different things. And as Josh said, like the entirety of the book of James, and then it has this beautiful, easy to follow tune. It's, it's an amazing camp hymn, absolutely a Mount Rushmore camp hymn. All right, so with that unanimous decision, let's now move on to a great debate I think we're going to have now over the best moment of this cantata. So I've put together four suggestions, and I'm, I'm up for any more you might have. But now let's first discuss, in order of the cantata, the first moment, which is almost literally the first moment of the cantata as a listener hears it, which is the opening of Count It All Joy. I'm going to play a clip that's the first 45 to 50 seconds but I think the real power is the first 12 seconds of this clip. So here it is. That is how you start a cantata right there. That is absolutely spot on. That first 10 to 12 seconds absolutely grabs a listener. You're on for the ride. So a great start to the cantata. Any thoughts on that moment beyond what we've already discussed with it? It's, it's a pretty irresistible start. Uh, we, we knew it was a pretty impactful start as well with the rejoice. We drove our two-year-old nephew home that year, and he just couldn't stop singing rejoice, rejoice <laughs> yeah. the whole way home. Yeah, it's definitely a contender. I, the only reason I kind of steer away from it is because I feel like this song's getting a lot of awards. <laughs> hey, if it earns them, it's worthy. And I've got a clip you've sent me, a little Zadok singing a song, so I'll insert that here too. 
All right, so let's come to my second suggestion for best moment, which I just love the choruses for every gift, which is the second song in this cantata. So what a one-two opener to this cantata. But here is a recording of the, the choruses for every, every gift. Absolutely beautiful chorus, which really elevates the listener. And when I listen to it, it makes me think, okay, do I stop and listen? Like it really makes, gives me a practical thing to think about as I hear the song. And actually, I think the key to that to that moment of the cantata of that song is really the guy's part that harmonizes. I think really accentuates that piece. I'm curious, Sam, what was it like to sing that harmony though? It sounds like it was just a great piece of music. Uh, I sang bass this year. I really enjoy it when you have a so when you're when you're listening to a, you know a four part harmony. When you have a a chord like that, basses often take the root of the chord. In other words, they take the they they sing usually the the first note of a chord, and they're singing an octave lower. And uh, what was happening here was that you know it was it was a, it was an octave or two octaves. No, it was, just, it was an octave different from what the sopranos were singing on that. So you had this, um, y- you had both parts singing on the same wavelength, and it kind of reinforced the, uh, you know, the, the the thrust of the song. And one of the reasons why I why I enjoy it so much is it kind of like it it has this strong emphasis, em- it has a strong emphasis on this wherefore, my brethren. How does this teaching inform our behavior? And that answer for me has often come whenever I look in the scripture and I see, you know, therefore or wherefore, when I see that kind of phrase, you know, serving to be the conjunction of the the doctrine, the teaching and the the encouragement. It's, it's why 1 Corinthians 15 is so powerful. We have all this, you know, wonderful doctrine about the resurrection, the hope of, you know, being raised from the dead to, you know, be sown incorruptible. And then it ends with, therefore, my brethren... Well, let me actually get the passage right. It's therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Right. Yeah. I don't know why I completely blanked on that. Usually I've got it, but today I did not. Uh, the long and short of it is that, you know, you've got, you know, all this wonderful talk, you know, teaching about the resurrection. It's like, well, okay, well, what do I do with it? But then there it is. Be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the perp, you know, that is the, that's the follow through the resurrect, that's the follow through the doctrine of resurrection, that we should be steadfast and immovable in how we act and how we teach and how we, you know, present ourselves as believers to the world. Um, and why I think this really resonated with me in this song is that, you know, wherefore my brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath too. You've got this, you know, you've got this doctrine, this teaching that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Well, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, the chorus says it. Wherefore, my brethren, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's, that is what we do. That is the practical import of God giving us these gifts, that we should use our faculties to channel God's character because he's given us so much. And we do that by listening more than we speak. So, um, I, I think that's part of, you know, it, the, the lyrics and 
the melody is what I'm trying to say. Really tie together to, you know, follow through on the strength and the weight of the practicality of the message of the song. I love it, Sam. Completely agree. All right. My third suggestion comes from the song, The Words That I Say, where there's this beautiful verse about two thirds of the way through the song that it really has some lyrics that just come straight out of James 3, where that the first part of this clip I really love. And I know Josh mentioned the last line of the clip we're about to hear really struck him. So I'll play for us this section of The Words That I Say. So that's a beautiful, beautiful way to elevate the verses of James 3, this practical message about all these examples and illustrations of the importance of the tongue and how serious a thing it is. And the music, I think, just brings you right into the epistle of James. I think it's wonderful. Now, Josh, you requested this moment as well. How did it strike you? What does it mean to you? I'm going to defer to my wife on this one. <laughs> this is actually my favorite moment. Um, I remember sitting down and looking at this song for the first time when we were about to sing it. And I just laughed because I was just so amazed at the way Daryl can just put verbatim King James Version scripture into a song and, and a song about the tongue. It was just incredible. Also a very difficult song to sing, but we did it. And uh, this part in particular, just the imagery that the music evokes with the words. And I just love the part, I think because it's very dramatic and lots of imagery when it's a little spark can start a fire that will burn down a forest and it kind of goes up. And then there's this pause. We, I think you talked in another episode about the importance of silence. There's this pause and then it crumples to the ground. And the, the notes kind of come down. I just love that part. And it's those parts too when I love singing it when we're up there and looking out at the audience just to see if they've felt the power of that moment of a tree becoming a blaze and then crumpling to the ground and then realizing that's the power of your tongue for good or evil. Yeah. Oh, it's an amazing part, as you said, so well written. To actually have a song that has this lyric, bits are put into Horace's <laughs> mouth, <laughs> and it's the most beautiful part of the song. It, I mean, so well done. And I also like the opening of the song, too, where the, the males come in super deep, like, the tongue is an unruly evil. Like it's really, really well done, even in the beginning of the song, too. So as you said, Hannah, a complex song, a difficult song, but really well done by everyone. So worthy of best moment consideration. Okay, my final suggestion, my fourth moment is the chorus of We Listen to Live. Like we've already discussed this song at length. It's phenomenal, amazing. My single favorite part of this song, if I had to pick one, is the chorus. So here it is. So long. 
That makes me want to get into a time machine and be a camper at 2017 just to sing that song around the holla. It's such a great camp hymn. All right, so do either of you have any other suggestions for best moments? I have a couple. Yes. Uh, so the first one that I want to bring for con for consideration is in this. Uh, we're going to start from the end and work our way back because the part I want to bring it up is that what we already mentioned with that very last part of We Listen to Live where it goes into that acapella, I, I think that is worthy of consideration. And, and to really capture its full effect, maybe, maybe just like have a fire in your backyard or something while you listen to it. Just do something to create the ambiance of, of being around, being at the holla at camp. So I'm going to go ahead and prime that real quick. Sam, I actually am going to be playing the end of the song at the end of the podcast. Oh, so do you perfect. Want to, do you want to just talk about it and people? Yeah, will hear yeah. It later? No, I mean, just I mean, it's it's what we've already discussed, which is you know the the way the you know it's it's the only part of the song that actually branches off into a harmony, which I think is we we lose sight of that sometimes that we think that to be a good you know to be a good cantata song, it needs to have a lot of complexity, a lot a lot of have have a lot of harmony, but uh, there's tremendous beauty in simplicity in being able to have everybody participate to have everybody be able to sing the parts without having to you know stretch themselves too much uh without having to know the bass lines or the guys parts um there's there's a lot of beauty in the in you know this with the simplicity of the the song structure but with the but it's you know counterbalanced with the complexity and the challenge of you know really the entire epistle of james to renew our attitude to one that you know produces the peaceable fruits of righteousness yeah it's wonderful all right sam what's coming up next is it the deep cut oh i think it is time for the deep cut buddy so i want to bring i want to bring up a song that we have not discussed yet um because why it can't be a deep cut if it's not a song we haven't discussed and we have not talked at all about the the the, the, the cantatas piece that the cantata is named after, Draw Nigh to God. We have not talked about that at all. Now, the part I want to bring up, actually, that you could bring up a lot of parts, because there's a beautiful part where uh, it lifts into this bridge, and then, um, you know, it, it the chorus falls off, and then you have the piano part, and it goes into the last part of the choir. But what I actually want to talk about is I want to talk about the very first part of the song, and to once again reinforce the importance of dynamics about how less is often so much more in a song. So I want you to listen to the first part of Draw Nigh to God.
way that the guys fall off with vanishing away. I remember all throughout the week how Daryl was always trying to emphasize, you know, you got to really come off that to make it sound like that the words were like the vapor that our lives really are. Um, it just, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can have, again, it's always great when you can have a choir blast out and be passionate, like the beginning of Rejoice, but sometimes that restraint allows for some real introspection into how, you know, how insignificant things are and how these, you know, how this really needs to occupy our minds. So for me, that is my deep cut moment, uh, the beginning of Draw Nigh to God. I love that, Sam. I'm so glad you brought it in as the deep cut. I'm going to listen to that song again. I completely miss that subtlety of like the hush at the end of Vanishing Away. I'm going to pay attention next time to that one. So thank you, Sam. Okay, so what is the winner here? I, I'm inclined to go with the big opening, that first 12 seconds. I respect Hannah's call for like the, the incredible lyrics and imag- imagery of the words that I say. <sighs> any, any thoughts on the winner? I think I'm going to have to support that. Uh, it, there, wow, there's so many moments you could go with, uh, but considering them all, there, you can't get a better start than that for a car ride if you're listening to the cantata or you're there live in person. That, that was amazing. Oh, I'm totally fine with it. Okay, wonderful. So we've got our pick for the best moment, the opening of Count It All Joy and the opening of the cantata. All right, so now we come to the best line of narration. And again, the narrator is Jonah Moore. The narration that struck me the most was, I'll I'll throw mine out there to begin with, narration five. It had this line about halfway through, referring to the tongue. So this is a narration before the words that I say. Here's the clip. uh, Jonah reads, Our own faithful or unfaithful use of this great power we wield will determine our eternal destiny. Jesus says that our tongue is the key to our character and our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So that's a quote there from Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I love the phrasing of how our eternal destiny can be determined and pivoted by how faithfully we use our tongue and the words of Christ support this. So that narration really struck me. Uh, Any other suggestions from you guys? He actually combed through the narrations and had that very line circled. Nice. Great yeah. minds think alike. Mm. So an easy pick there for us. And there were several really well-written narrations in this cantata, but I think that one is going to be our winner. Okay, let's come to now, wildest opinion. We've been waiting for this category. I know we've got several in the queue here. The, the wild opinion I have is the most serious, wild opinion I've had in any episode. So I want to save it. All right. So now let's, let's turn to Josh and Hannah for their wild opinions. I don't, I don't think I want to steal this phrase, but I don't know how else to say it. If I were to have a deep cut, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, no, take, take it, take it. It's, uh, I don't have a monopoly on it. <laughs> you might want to cut that in. You might want to cut that one in. <laughs> Listeners cannot see it. I took a glass of water right when Hannah said that and is now all over my carpet. <laughs> We're going to leave this in. <laughs> Hannah, please. Hannah, please elaborate on the deep cut of this. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, moving forward. Um, a song that we haven't talked about. Uh, this is Wisdom. This song is really based on Proverbs and Job. Um, but I think it has the potential for potential hymn material. Um, it could be reworked a little bit um, to be put in a hymn book of future. I don't know how that works, but um, I don't know that we have a whole lot of hymns on this uh, very Proverbs Job related material and just the structure of it and some of the harmonies I think could flow pretty nicely. So that's my James-related wildest opinion. The nice Over. thing, though, is that the, the chorus is all unison. So a lot, of, and I mean, and even the, even, the, um, even the chorus itself is something that I think either part could follow through with that if you really, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't tax a lot of guys that much to sing the, the soprano part drop down an octave or two. Yeah, uh, I would need a little bit of reworking, but it would be a hymn that has like a refrain. So we have a couple of those. Um, yeah, just thought it would be a nice uh, transition out of the cantata into a different format. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I support that. So uh, another wildest uh, opinion is when we consider all of the lyrics uh, that are used in this cantata, can be impressed with how much word for word material there is. And I think that's one of uh, Daryl's strengths is he takes scripture and applies it word to word, uh, applies music to those words. And particularly in the King James version too, some of it very tricky language, bits and horses mouths he worked in. But if you take some of these songs, you'll notice that James one, two, three and four are all covered with a lot of word for word lyrics. James five is lacking. And so somehow uh, a James five song word for word needs to be incorporated. And maybe it could be a little bit of a, a platform into something where, you know, we always say music is good for memorizing scripture. And this could be a platform to get that started put these five songs together, including a new one that's written for James five and say, here's, here's your five songs to help you memorize James one through five. And you could, you know, might uh, end up doing more that way with other books of the Bible. Yeah. I would love to hear a James five song, you know, the, the prayer of faith will save the sick. There's a lot of interesting material in James five. I'd love to hear it. That's a great opinion. Any others from the Hodge family? Yes. Yeah, we got a, a couple <laughs> now. Next, next level wildest opinions. Those were our tame wildest opinions. <laughs> oh yes. Good. Me first. Okay. Um, so this is a more broad wild opinion about the whole remembering conference cantata platform. Um, my wildest opinion is that Mike and Sam return to the youth conference on the Friday in 2021 and perhaps future years as guests at the cantata experience and perhaps spend a bit of the day interviewing campers about their week, experience the cantata, and then you will be able to continue your podcast. 
What if we could record a podcast that night? There's a lot of things that could come out of this. You you could have that is wow. This is there would be like a, a live reaction podcast that we would post when we get back home, you know, Sunday, and that people could listen to that. You feel like, oh, we like a live commentary, a live commentary. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, we we're there Friday, do interviews and such, get information, listen to the cantata, and then we would do like a live recording that night. Bring the director in, interview people. Oh, that's very interesting. And then we could even do like a second. We take our time and interview people and bring in more information and have a more well-produced podcast. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I'd love to see it happen. Would, would, would the committee allow to old washed up former <laughs> campers to come back and raid the camp for 36 hours? I kind of got the idea from, well, Josh's grandma, Aunt Joan Hodge, who is a bit of a, a fixture at youth conference, when she stopped going for the full week, she would still come up for Fridays very often. And I know a few others sometimes would just come up to hear the cantata itself. Um, yeah, so I think that you would be welcome. If Joan Hodge approves, I'm there. Yeah, I'm if she totally says it, 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 So it shall be done. Yep. And now, Mike, here's a question. Would we want to stay on the campground or would we like stay with the Coopers and have like a HeroScape night before or something like that? <laughs> I I want to be at Site 43, man. You know me. Oh, I want to be there and there's got to be taco salad there and it's just got to be glorious. Yeah, we have terms. <laughs> Matt Colby must be there. <laughs> Oh, thank you for that wonderful wild opinion. That meant a lot to me to hear that. Uh, who knows? Lord willing, it's been a crazy year. Speaks to the return of Christ, but I'll definitely it's something to consider for the future. All right. Any other wild opinions from the Hodges? Yeah, one final one. Hopefully, hopefully you get on board with that. Uh, the one that Hannah just said. This one, this one might be a little harder to get on board for, but it would be lovely to see happen at the same time. So. I think we should have an epic reunion and it would center around the conference cantatas. The cantata is the pinnacle of the week. And, you know, in listening to all of the remembering conference cantatas, you kind of forget how impactful the weeks were, but you remember them real quick once you start reminiscing and going through the songs. And I think it could be really impactful for a lot of people to come back, have a lot of the alumni, the cantata alumni come back. It would be a weekend, so it wouldn't be a whole week, but you would practice the best song at the time. And, you know, it would be a, a two hour epic where, you know, you'd practice two or three days. You would have a performance like we always have, but instead of, you know, the, the, uh, the narrations that come before, each of the song, you would have some sort of uh, narration or commentary on the song itself or on the year of youth conference. And that, that would be special. That would be amazing if that could ever happen. I feel like that is too ambitious, but you know, it's a wonderful vision. I honestly hearing it. I mean, it makes me really just think of the reunions that could occur in the kingdom. If it could ever happen this side of the kingdom, that would be quite 
quite an undertaking, but if it could, that would be, would be so wonderful. So wonderful. To get everyone there for one weekend at the camp, oh, that'd be amazing. Amazing. Sam, I'm sure you'd be there if it happened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I support it, Josh. If it could ever happen, I'm on board. Hey, it's got to be a wild opinion. Yes, absolutely. Okay, it's time. Sam, I need your support for this one. <clears throat> I'm hanging on, buddy. I'm I'm I'm, gri- I'm gripping the table. Okay. So, okay, this entire podcast I've been preparing. I've been setting up Hannah for this moment. Even before we recorded, I said, Hannah, I've got something for you here. To set this up, we've already discussed how the 2017 version of the Law of Christ is, is in Sam's opinion, superior to that of 06, its original giving that year. And the reason why, Hannah Hodge. There must be a Hannah Hodge solo album. How is there not a Hannah solo album? How, how is it even possible all these years? It has not happened. 10 hymns, 10 to 12 hymns. Hannah, Sam and I know a guy. We know a guy who can record high quality piano tracks. If we get the tracks to you, would you, could you, should you record a Hannah Hodge solo album of hymns? Wow, that was quite the, the setup. Um, Sam, did you want to have any words? I'm still gripping the table. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's trying to avoid speaking right now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to just bring up real quick that there already is a precedence for this when you did a recording of Dear Lord and Maker of Mankind. I was saving that, but yeah. Ah! yeah. We, we've, we've got this whole album of Higher Than I. Wonderful, incredible spiritual music, really good faith-building music. The, the diamond in the center of the crown like the, the jewel of that whole album is Hannah's Hymn 135, steals the show. The amount of hours of my life spent listening to that song, you couldn't even fit you know, into a month. It's amazing. If, if we could get a whole album of that, it would be so, it would do so much good. It wouldn't be for the purpose of you know, elevating Hannah. It's not about showing her off. It, it would just do so much good to listeners of spiritual music out there. Hannah, I, I mean, I'm not going to force you to get, make a decision now, but any, anything that needs to be done, any equipment you need, I, I fully support whatever it takes to get a Hannah Colby hymns spiritual music album out there. Uh, just to give a bit of context to the listeners, uh, as was mentioned at the beginning, you may notice in the tone of, of Mike and Sam, the tone of Big Brother-esque. <laughs> and this is certainly true. Um, my Actually, one of my first reactions to hearing this podcast was, this reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> yeah. And it's I think it's a beautiful thing that we've moved on from talking about who would win in a boxing ring and orangutan or the boxer <laughs> to talking about spiritual music. But I think, you know, we live and we grow. That That is a real conversation, by the way. I was, I was kind of. <laughs> yes, it was. It was yeah. a real, yeah. and it, it probably lasted longer than any of these podcasts. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yes. A lot of brotherly, brotherly love going on here, and um, 
the gift of music is definitely a, a special thing and it's a gift from God and something that ought to be shared. And the cantatas is a way that it has been shared beautifully. And I, I love that these podcasts have come along and really brought attention to a culture of music that's that's started on Manitoulin Island. It's it's really wonderful. Um, so yes, thank you for for that, and per- perhaps something we can talk about on <laughs> on a separate platform. Um, yes, that's my answer. I'll throw in my two cents. Yeah, I'll give some husband love. I think that would be a good project for my wife to take on. I'd support you, Mike and Sam. Yes, Josh. Yes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And Hannah, what you just said there, very eloquent, very true. Uh, There is a whole group of people connected to the spiritual music from Youth Conference and happy to be a part of it and for all of us to be a part of it. So completely agree. And hopefully someday you will say yes to this vision of mine for a Hannah Hodge solo album. <laughs> okay, let's come now to the the two most important award categories, the lesson and legacy of the cantata. What this cantata really does for a listener in terms of building faith, elevating our minds in the right direction. And when I listen to this cantata, I feel like it's a it's a mini presentation of James, as you've been saying several times. All these topics from at least, especially the first four chapters of James, uh, even James five, I think, is the concept of praying for a brother is in the law of Christ. So it's it's almost like you should read James one through five either before you listen to this cantata or after, because it just brings all of that right out. It's the, the lessons of James are in this cantata, but what's the number one? I, I think having listened to it about three or four times in the past two days, I find this cantata, it adjusts my attitude. I think it's actually one of the lyrics in the camp hymn about how it changes our attitude and it gives me a mindfulness in how I behave and speak and think and helps me remember that God is with me at all times. It's such a practical lesson that comes out of listening to this cantata to just make me think about what am I doing and speaking and what is my behavior because God is here with me. And so that this cantata just changes my attitude and frame of mind to be more spiritual and more aware of God around me. It's it's a really practical, wonderful cantata. Uh, Sam, what about you? What's the lesson that strikes you from this cantata? I resonate a lot with what you just said. Definitely, I, that I, I think you really touched on something with that, with that mindfulness. You know, meditate. We, you know, when we talk about concept of meditation, um, you know, sometimes it kind of gets lost into you know more secular views of what meditation is. But this this cantata really allows for a biblical view of meditation to really to reflect on the way we conduct ourselves, the way we. You know, the way we look at certain things. I mean, the first song is Rejoice, My Brethren, and Be Glad. But what is it? It's, it, it's, it's all about trials. It's, it's meant to be sort of a paradigm shift in how we examine the trials in our lives, how we examine the conversations we have with each other, how we interact in our ecclesias. I mean, James is, you know, the, the epistle of James is really about, it, it is renewing the heart and renewing the mind. It's about correcting our course from, you know, where we're, 
we're, we're always bound to, you know, lean towards our own self-interested thinking, the ways of the flesh. But the epistle of James is always trying to, you know, steer you towards the, you know, the way of the spirit, towards thinking about, world, you know, wisdom from above that is first pure, then peaceable. And, and the epistle of James and this cantata really encapsulates that message. Sometimes it does it in a very, you know, in a very gentle way, like uh, the law of Christ. And sometimes, sometimes it needs to be very forceful and direct with it, like it is in um, the words that I say, where it talks about the tongue being an unruly evil. Some, and, and, you know, we need that sometimes in, in, in the Bible. We, you know, sometimes we need a gentle guidance to course correct. And sometimes we just need to be bopped on the head and be shown like you're way off course. You need to you need to get back to where you're going. And this cantata encapsulates that that real that real need to course correct, to self-examine, to meditate, and to you know shift our way of thinking from worldly perspectives to to spiritual perspective. Totally agreed. And. It- what a great job this cantata does to get us to think about that. And the, the lyric I was referring to earlier in the campaign was where it says, uh, so Lord, renew an attitude and renew our hearts, renew our minds. Well, perfect lyrics. So uh, for Hannah or Josh, any uh, top lessons from this cantata for you? Yeah, I, th- I think actually to build on one of what you ended yours with, Mike, you were mentioning recognizing God in your life and really the the theme verse draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to you is a verse which recognizes that very thing it's not it's draw nigh to god it's the first action is for us to take it's for us to recognize we need to draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to us there's not a question of whether god will the question is whether we recognize that god is there and we will draw nigh to him and it's also hard to separate your experiences from that particular conference week that you've had since that week. And when you think back, there are certain things that have become emphasized because of that week, but only because of circumstances in your life. And I remember Uncle Khan brought out one of his points he brought out was this, this concept of your life is a vapor, which is, is James chapter four and brought out in a couple of, of the songs in the cantata. And Uncle Khan said he was, he was speaking once, and he mentioned, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. And he said he got corrected by a sister afterwards, and who said, it's not if the Lord will, ye shall do this or that. It's if the Lord will, ye shall live and do this or that. And so very the very essence of life and our, our breath that we have is in the hands of God. And it's so important to recognize that. And I can tell you the experience this past year, you know, my brother um, who almost died, who was very close to death. I, that particular verse really helped me get through um, the, the pretty traumatic experience uh, that I went through and in, in almost losing a brother and the family and the ecclesia. But it's, it's all in God's hands. And that verse is really impactful. Our life is a vapor. You know, um, our, our life is in the hands of God. It's if the Lord will, which is a, is a wonderful thing that I think 
the Christadelphian community has used, if the Lord will. But it, it goes beyond just what we can do. It's will we live or not? Yeah, it's certainly your brother's accident is an incredible reminder of that lesson. And in 2020, coronavirus completely changed everyone's plans. So what a reminder of it's the Lord's will is we're completely subject to his plan for sure. Now, there may be, Josh, a few listeners that aren't familiar with what happened to Jay. Could you just very briefly just let us know where he's at now, what's happened since his car accident? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, it was the first day of September, uh, Jacob got in a car accident uh, that he was actually, he had just purchased his house. It was move-in day and uh, Jacob was on his way to fix a shelf at his house and a driver came across uh, two lanes and hit him head on. Uh, He was rushed to the hospital, was in an induced coma for a number of days and how I, how I put it to people now is uh, you are there in the hospital taking every little piece of joy that you can get, right? You know, his finger twitches, uh, there's a little movement. All of that is that brings you great joy. And you reminisce as a family and, and think about, you know, what would we like to see again? And, and at that point, you're like, I'd like to just see Jacob's eyes open, I'd like him just to be able to have consciousness to know that that we're with him. And and then you start thinking about bigger things. It would be nice just to laugh with him as a brother again. It would be nice to see him, you know, in in a position where he can read God's word. And it gets bigger and bigger. Support a family, have children, um, you know, have a job. And if we could write all of those things out today, I would say every single box has been ticked. Um, so, uh, anybody today would not know that Jacob was in an accident. He has a full-time job in his, he finished his schooling. He finished writing the Esther workbook for, it was supposed to be this year, but it will be for the 2021 youth conference. And, uh, he lives in the house, uh, that he was going to move to that day with his, uh, wife, Kayla. Wonderful. Yeah. I had the privilege of seeing him via Zoom at a virtual Bible school a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, you would not know unless you knew what had happened to him. So that was a real, real nice thing. So thanks for sharing that, Josh. Really powerful lesson there and connects to James in a real profound way. So now we come to the legacy of the cantata. Now, it's only been three years since this came out. So there hasn't been a lot of time. Uh, but to me, I think what, what sticks out to me as what's really lasted from this cantata is just the wonder of the camp hymn. I just love We Listen to Live so much and still listen to it regularly, you know, even a couple years later. So to me, that is at least initially in, the, in just three years here, what to me the legacy of this cantata is, is just this one song is so good and has it risen sort of above the cantata into mainstream play. But Sam, do you have a, a legacy from this cantata? I do. Um, hearing this cantata be able to reinvent and reimagine past pieces, kind of, you know, it's sort of a poignant reminder that, you know, for most people, youth conference is a what i mean what would you say the average attendee goes like maybe maybe two times maybe sometimes three i mean there's there's not a large amount of people who who have gone you know more than six or seven times and there's and there's a very small group of people who have been there double digit times so you know for a lot of people youth conference is a very you know 
it, it, in terms of like how many times you go, not they don't you don't go too often, but it makes a big impact. And I think for me, the legacy of this can- cantata, having you know been around when a lot of these songs first came out, it's seeing a new generation take up the mantle. It's about people kind of it's about young people really making this their own experience. I mean, those that sang My Brother, those that sang Pure Religion that might not have been there in 2010 or 2006, I mean, it's theirs. It's it's just as theirs as it was to the people in 2006. It's their legacy. And maybe in about 10 years or so, when it gets you know brought around again, we'll be talking about it. Well, how does it compare to the 2017 version? Because like... There is a, you know, just because it's new to us, you know, it, it's going to be old someday. It's going to be a legacy someday. And it's great to see young people make the truth their own to, you know, take this beautiful, wonderful thing that's been handed down to them, that's been entrusted to them and seeing how they pick up the torch and go with it. That's that's the legacy to me. And I think it's really encapsulated in those songs, uh, The Law of Christ pure religion this is wisdom i think it's perfectly encapsulated in them those songs are just as much belonging to the 2017 choir as they were to the ones who originally wrote sang them very interesting sam very interesting sam do you think that this year was a year where you passed the torch off and you really saw the next generation as claiming conference as their own now i think so because i was i mean i was getting ready to really to really hand things off this was this was the last full year that I did uh, campfire singing. I was, you know, deep into writing the Abraham and Sarah workbook that I would finish up and I would be the study for the next year after that. So this was really the last year that I was there as a camper kind of, you know, doing what I had been doing for so long. So I was, I, I was looking to see like, okay, well, you know, who, who's going to pick up the ball? Who's going to be, who are going to be the people that are going to step up and, and, you know, be what this community needs? Who's going to be the, you know, the comforters? Who's going to be the doers? Who's going to be the ones who raise their hands and are perfectly fine with picking up an extra bathroom duty instead of just, you know, hoping that they don't get noticed. That's, you know, every generation has those people. And I've said this before in past cantatas that conference is a giver. Uh, it gives and it gives and it gives. There's hopefully going to always be people who appreciate that conference gives and they'll be willing to give back and they'll pick up that principle and they'll bring it to their ecclesias and they'll be the ones who give. Maybe they're up in front or, you know, people who are coming to conference for the first time that they pick up those lessons that they realize that they get to give back if they want to. And you hope that they take that message and they give back to their ecclesias and they give back to their CYCs and they give back and you just hope that people carry on the torch. That's, that's what you, that's what you got to do. I mean, you know, it's not going to stick with one generation forever. There's got to be a handing over of responsibility and a handing over of, you know, you got to have faith that people are capable of doing that and that they put their all into it, that they'll be able to, leave their own lasting legacy that God will remember for good. Yeah. Yeah. My, my year of passing the torch was 2012. Sounds like this may have been your passing the torch year, 2017. 
All right, Josh and Hannah, any legacies for you from this uh, yeah, cantata really or this year? about this cantata being the cantata that teaches you how to be a better brother and sister in Christ. Um, and so kind of the theme verse that we felt encapsulated it was James 1.27. Pure religion is this. And then you listen to the cantata and you've got the song Pure Religion that teaches you caring for the needy and law of Christ, which is bearing the burdens and looking to save those that are struggling. Words that I say that is learning to use our tongue in an edifying way and listen to live, looking on the heart and not the outward appearance. So it's a very insightful and kind of piercing cantata because that's the way the book of James writes. And then when you put it to music, you walk away feeling compelled to be a better brother and sister in Christ. So true. So you, you cannot help but be moved and be encouraged to be better, to, to strive to be more like Christ in your words and actions after hearing this cantata. Great lesson, practical cantata. Okay, so that's it for the awards. Wonderful, uplifting year. Great cantata. Are there any final thoughts from either of you on this year, 2017? I guess more just speaks to the remembering conference cantatas and what they've done for us personally, and then bringing us right here to discussing 2017 with you. And I, you know, someone who's, who's not naturally musically inclined, sometimes I will struggle more than others to get the most out of music. And in going through and listening to many of the remembering conference cantatas, I've been impressed with the fact of how powerful music is to elevate the word of God, which is really what it's doing in our, in our prayer to him. And I think there's no better example of this, at least from the ones that I've heard so far was back in 2004, I believe it was 2004, Dan Osborne, there was a clip of Dan Osborne and someone will have to remind me of the song. He was uh, comfort one another. He was making a commentary on that. And there was, you know, a, a tragic incident in 2004 and there was this song that was written and Dan just broke every, it seemed like every word down, but he was breaking all of the phrases down and why he put um, the music to those specific words and what the music was doing to emphasize the words. And that's really powerful, I think, hopefully to, to all of the listeners. It's been powerful for me. And then bringing it forward to this cantata, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever analyzed a cantata before, just in general. I mean, I, I haven't done that, but it was a really special experience to do it with Hannah. We sat down a number of times, listened to it straight through, and everything became powerful because you see how clearly the writers had put thought into the, the words, and then the music came to elevate those words and and I think the two of you have done a tremendous job to 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 emphasize that over the past many podcasts. And it's it's been special to be a part of this one in 2017 and feel that very same thing as we reminisce about that year. 
Wonderful. Thank you, Josh. Very well said. And yeah, this podcast has done so much for Sam and I and for a lot of listeners. And taking the time to go back and listen to these is so beneficial spiritually. It really, really helps in a difficult time for believers. So yeah, completely agree. And thank you for that. Again, a brief reminder for anyone who's enjoyed our podcast, please send us your thoughts or opinions or ideas before our finale episode in two weeks. So keep that in mind. So now here is the, the, the camp hymn from this year, We Listen to Live, a beautiful, beautiful camp hymn to help us renew our minds before our Lord returns. So here it is, We Listen to Live.